I, I forgot I made such an abrupt ending to that one. But it's a little Bon Jovi. Hey, uh, welcome everybody. I feel like I'm loud. Am I? Like super loud? I just feel like it. Hey, well, now that I'm not loud, I still welcome you. Thank you all for coming on in and, and checking us out today. I think, uh, um, I think Annette's going to have to work out a little bit harder with me for next time so she's not so out of breath when she jumps around. Um, when, she was, when, when we were kids pastors, that was one of her things. Is She, she sat there for the whole uh, worship time with the, with the little kids, and she would jump up and down. back. So she was in great shape. She didn't get winded like that. I'll pull her away from that and look at she almost died. I mean, I thought... <laughs> I mean, I thought I was going to have to get one of those old modesty blankets and put over her again. I don't know if you remember what those are, but back in the day. <laughs> so, hey, welcome to you guys online, too. Just want to say thanks for tuning in with us and uh, uh, checking us out. Next time, hey, come on and check us out in person. It's so much more fun, isn't it? Isn't it much more fun in person? Thank you, and hopefully they heard that. They said yes. Yes, they said yes. So anyway, so let's get to the message today. Um, you know, I was, I was just talking and somebody said, hey, you know, I like your stories. And I'm like, well, a guy only has so many stories in his life, so he has to kind of pick and choose and extract parts and other things from them. And so today is actually a story, but it's not my story. Nothing to do about with me at all. Um, uh, but it is a story, and it's a fitting story for what the message is today. So it was, it, it, was, it was around 5.30 p.m. on uh, December, December 10th, 1914. I don't think any of us were born yet, were we? 1914, anybody? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. But any, and, and what had happened was 10 buildings that were owned um, by Thomas Edison caught on fire. So there was, there was this huge blaze going on around, and... Um, they, he had this whole campus of buildings, but 10 of them caught fire, which was over half of the amount of buildings that were kind of in his campus area, his factory setting. And this was in New Jersey. And I read that, I read that the fire was so, so intense that uh, bet, any, it was between 6 and 8. Now, I don't know, you know, I guess 1914 records weren't as clear as they are now, but between six and eight fire departments had to come in to, to fight this fire. I, it was just massive from what I was reading and, uh, and what I understand. But unfortunately, most of the buildings um, that this fire happened in contained a whole bunch of chemicals. So it was not only a blaze back then, but it was this chemical fire, and they, couldn't, they, they didn't have a chance to try to fight this fire at all because it was just too intense. They didn't have the equipment, and they didn't have those, what's that foamy stuff we spray over chemical fires now? You know, they'll coat it with this. They didn't have anything like that that we have today. So, so they just... It, they just, it was a hopeless cause. They just kind of ended up letting it burn. But Edison's son, Charles, uh, comes walking over to his dad, and, and, they're, and they're, they're both watching this fire just burn intensely, and it was, it was everything that Thomas Edison has worked his whole life. He worked so hard to build all these things, and he and his son are watching this, and the response that Edison gave his his son Charles was not a response that you would expect. He told his son, he said, hey, 
go get your mom and all of her friends because they ain't never seen a fire like this before. This is a fire. So, so he said, they're not ever going to see this again either. Go get your mom. So, so Charles was like, are you serious? I mean, I'm just trying to put into today's swing. Are you serious, Dad? <laughs> Come on. And, and he objected, but as Edison said, you know, it's all right. It's all right because we've just got rid of a bunch of rubbish. That was his response. We just got rid of a bunch of rubbish. And, and, and the New York Times interviewed Edison after this, and, and he was quoted as saying, he says, although I'm over 67 years old, I'm going to start again tomorrow. He told the reporter that, you know, I'd start tonight, but I'm just tired from, the, from watching this. He had been there for the whole thing, through the whole episode. He was there all night, and he was there until all the chaos and all the fire was under control, and it was done. So the following day, the following morning, as he looked at the ruins of where, where his, all of these massive factories had once stood, he said, he said that there's value, there's value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start new. Thank God we can start new. Now Edison could have, he could have cried. He could have, he could have been like super angry and looking for the culprit or what the reason was behind the fires. He could have fallen into a deep depression thinking, oh my God, everything that I lost. He could have taken this in so many directions, but he didn't. Instead, he smiles and he says, hey, go get your mom because this is a big spectacular fire that she ain't never going to see again. I mean, seriously, think of his attitude in this. Think of, of how amazing and incredible that is. I mean, after all this, there was a book, book written by, by uh, author Ryan Holiday, and, and, and he wrote in this, he said, to do great things, we need to be able to endure tragedy, tragedy and setbacks. We've got to love what we do and all that it entails, good and bad. We have to learn to find joy in every single thing that happens. Can I say that again? We have to learn to find joy in every single thing that happens. Every single thing. Edison, he lost just under $1 million. It was in the high 900,000s. Now, today, that would equivalent to about $23 million between the two. And then we got to think, we got to think that, what about all the records? What about all the recipes and all these, all these uh, 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 prototypes and all the research? He was an inventor, right? Thomas Edison was the inventor. We can see because of, in fact, these are Edison bulbs. That's what they're called. All because of this guy. So just think of everything he lost. Think of all the partially invented inventions. Just, just think about that for a minute, that he lost. And reflect on what his attitude was. And then think about this. They did have insurance back then, but that only covered about one-third of the cost. So if we put it in today's, value he had to come up with like 14 
almost $15 million. No? Yeah, no, that's half. But seven. Seven. Sorry, I, double, I was on the wrong way. So, yeah, no, that would be right. That's about a third of that, right? $14 million, $15 million, right? Okay. Maybe I should stay away from the math. <laughs> but even though, because of all this Edison, he just simply moved on. He moved forward. He knew that when tragedy strikes, this was Edison, he knew that when tragedy strikes, you must accept what had ha has happened because you can't change what had happened. You can't change the past. There's no going back. He had this, this attitude to overcome a challenge, to overcome this challenge and to make it an opportunity. Let's overcome a challenge and make an opportunity. His awesome attitude reflected in all of his employees too because, and mind you, I might read, as I read in this article, he didn't let anybody go through all this. Everybody continued to work. He never fired anybody. He didn't, I don't know, there wasn't unemployment back then, but nobody lost their jobs through this whole entire process. But his attitude was so contagious that it reflected on his employees and together as a team, within the next 10 years, they would go on to make $10 million. Oh, $10 million in 10 years, you think that doesn't sound... Do the math of today. Anybody, what would that be today? Okay. If we had $1 million equivalent to $23 million, if we had $10 million, today it would be? And? Maybe I, sh maybe I am better at math than I thought. $230 million in 10 years because of his attitude and his employees caught that same attitude. And I can say probably much, probably for sure, um, my attitude wouldn't have been that of Edison's at that point. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure of it. Mine wouldn't reflect his. I mean, think of you. What kind of attitude would you have if this was your factory? If this was everything or a huge portion of what you have or what you worked for or what you built up, how would your attitude be in this? Watching it, I'll go up and smoke. Would you have said, hey, go get your brother because this is really cool. You know, I mean, mine, no. I can tell you mine. So I, I would think that most of us in this room would not would not have the attitude um, of Edison. But Edison had the right attitude. But we would have just simply been the opposite. I'm, I'm sure of it. And in our series, in our series that we're doing now, the series A New You, I titled this message, Right Attitude. We have to have a right attitude. If we're going to make this new year awesome and amazing, I think attitude has everything to do with that, doesn't it? We can have an attitude of it's going to be a crappy year, or we can have an attitude of it's going to be an amazing year. What's going to be your attitude? Let's have the right attitude in this. Let's do everything we do with the right attitude. Even in tragedy, let's have a great attitude 
attitude. Develop a positive attitude in everything that we do. Let's do that this year. But, but how often do we let our bad attitude um, um, not only direct the mood, right? When we have a bad attitude, doesn't our mood stink, right? We have a horrible mood. You know, ooh, you're moody today. I got a bad attitude. And, I, and I've said it myself. Think about it. But, but it also, your bad attitude is also going to direct your lives. The direction of your lives is going to follow your bad attitude, How many times have we let our bad attitude rob us of a blessing that we know we could have had, but we missed out on it because we had a stinking bad attitude? We let, we let our attitude get in the way of not listening to what God's trying to tell us or what God's instructing us to do because we have a bad attitude and we're just not paying attention to it. I mean, even the best of us, even the best of us get caught up in having a, 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 an attitude, I guess, of doing it our, our own way. We're not listening to God. We can say, we say, oh, we can do this so much better than God because I know me and I know what I can do. So I'm going to have the attitude that I can, I can do better than what God can do for me. And this happens, I mean, even to the best of us, this happens. This even happened to Moses. Let's check out what happened with Moses here when his attitude was flawed, when his attitude started to stink. I mean, so, oh, I'm, I'm dry. I'm, I'm fired up. I like attitude things because I try not to have a bad attitude, and when I do, Annette reminds me of it, so it's just awesome. A true story. <laughs> you have a bad attitude. Yeah, well. That's, what, that's my response. Yeah, well. Anyway, so, so, so here, here once again, all right, Moses and, and, and the Israelites, they're, they're wandering through the wilderness as they had done for 40 years, right? They're just wandering through the wilderness. And they came back to the very place, the same exact place where, where the ten spies had persuaded all the Israelites that, you know, hey, don't listen to, to uh, uh, Joshua and, and Caleb because, because their positive attitude, um, no, 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 let's not take their positive attitude, take our crappy attitude. We're afraid, we're afraid of these giants, we're afraid of these people. We can't go in here. They came back to that very same place when this, was, when this was happening because they were so afraid of the people and they were so, so afraid of the land that God had promised. And they all had crappy attitudes. And now they end back in that same place years later. So, so, so not only are they in that spot, in that place where they were, now they don't have any water. They're all out of water. They have no more water for them or their livestock. It's all gone. So they gang up on Moses, and they gang up on, on Aaron. They start crying once again. Oh, how we wish we would have died in Egypt. How many times have they done that, right? I mean, oh, I wish we would have died. Well, you know, they're belly aching. But why'd you drag us out from there? At least we had food. At least we had water. Why'd you drag us to this miserable place? which the Israelites did time and time and time again. And then, and then, and now we 
have no water. And I'm thinking, you big crybabies. And they're like, you know, they're not even thinking for a single moment of how God had brought them and had got, how God had done all these miracles around them. No, no, no. They're forgetting all of that stuff. What are they doing? They're just crying and belly aching. Oh, and just so, I've just got a crappy attitude. You know, they're just going off with their crappy attitude. So, so they're forgetting everything God's done. They're forgetting everything. So then, so then Moses will start in Numbers 20, verse 6. So, so then Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of, to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water? Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and all the community and their livestock drank. Now, you know, when I'm reading, I kind of, I'm a word picture kind of guy. You know that by now, I'm sure. But I'm this word picture. Now, I just picture Moses with his stand, and, and, and this is what I picture whenever I hear Moses or, or preach or read on Moses. I just picture this big windstorm. And, you know, he's got his thing over his head, but his beard is flowing out to the side. I don't know. That's what I picture. And he's up there like this, and his beard's flowing out to the side. And he's calling these people rebels. But Moses and Aaron knew, hey, you know what? We are in a bad situation. We're in a horrible situation. These people are absolutely out of control. So, so what do they do? They brought it to God. So they bring it to God. The people had this hostile attitude toward, toward them, and, and, and they're saying, we'd rather be dead. We have this bad attitude. We'd rather be dead. And they were, they were just unbelieving people at this point. They were, they were just unbelieving, and they didn't trust anything that Moses, Aaron, or even God had to say. They didn't trust anybody. So God tells Moses, he says, hey, Moses, grab, grab your stinking staff. Grab that staff. He says, and then, and then, and then get everybody together, get every, come on everybody, and make sure that they're all looking at you. Make sure every eye is on you, because they're going to want to see this. Then Moses, I want you just to speak to this rock. Just, just Moses, speak to this rock. And when you do, it's going to produce water, come right up out of it, and everybody's going to see it. That's what God tells Moses. So Moses, he does as he inst he's instructed right. He grabs the staff and he assembles the people. But then, you know what else he does? He calls them names. He starts to call them names. He criticizes them. And he lifts his staff and he nails the rock two times with his staff. And just after he nails the rock two times with his staff, water starts pouring out. And we are thinking, cool. Pretty cool. This is awesome. Everything's good, right? 
God did this great and God did this amazing thing through Moses and Moses' actions, right? However, Moses' actions were not what God instructed. They weren't. They weren't Moses' frustration with the Israelites gave him a bad attitude. Moses right here at this moment has a bad attitude. Not only did Moses' attitude change, but Moses had a heart change at this moment. Moses would never have done, but his bad attitude changed his heart. And I feel like Moses' attitude was that was like, you know what? You and I, God, we did this together. This is our partnership. You couldn't have done this without me, God. That two times I whacked that rock, that's all me, God. Like God couldn't have done this on his own. He wouldn't, yeah, right. But Moses' pride changed his attitude. And I'll tell you, that's not good. That's not good. Moses did so much wrong here, and Moses didn't even see all the wrong he was doing. He wasn't even paying attention because of his attitude. So, so before he does anything about, about solving this water shortage that they're in right now, Moses takes it upon himself to scold the Israelites. He's doing wrong already. God didn't tell him to even speak to them, did he? What did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock. Calls them rebels when, when he himself at this point is rebellious. So now what is Moses? He's not only a guy with a crappy attitude, he's now a hypocrite too because he's calling them rebels when he's being a rebel himself. But this was not the first time that, that God used Moses to get water from a rock. Okay, this is not the first time. Back on Mount Sinai, God told Moses to strike the rock for water. Okay, told him to strike the rock for water. But this time, God told him simply, just speak to the rock with the staff in your hand. Speak to the rock with the staff in your hand. And the staff was the, was the symbol of, the, of authority from God. So the staff was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was actually ended up being placed in the Ark of the Covenant. So this staff was a big deal. But this time, instead of doing exactly as he was instructed, no, 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 he nails the rock with his staff in direct, absolute disobedience to God. Now, now, and not only did he, he hit it in anger, and not only did he hit it out of frustration, but he even gives it another slam for just good measures. And all he had to do was simply speak to the rock. Now, I know most of y'all know my brain, right? So when I'm doing this, I'm picturing all kinds of things because my mind spins like a, a you know, one of those bingo things, or are they bingo, or those lotto ball things, you know? <laughs> and my, it's like a popcorn popper up there. So, <laughs> not always good. But I'm thinking, okay, so Moses, you have to speak to this rock, and immediately my mind, who remembers the honeymooners? Do few of us remember, well, the Honeymooners is an old 50s, in the 50s, right? 50s show, and you see reruns, and there's, there's Ralph and, and Norton, right? And, 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 and Ralph, is, 
he, he tells, he's trying to teach Norton how to golf. And Ralph says to Norton, first you have to address the ball. Norton goes, hello, ball. So I picture Moses saying, hello, rock. And then the water comes out. But no. But no. The water still came out of this rock even though Moses' bad and sinful attitude, even though he had the wrong actions, water still came out. And I thought, man, isn't this, isn't this a great example of how amazing God's love is for us? Even though, even though we've done wrong, even though we were disobedient, he still blesses us. Isn't that a great example of that? Even though we have a lapse in character, he still blesses us. But see, but see God had a plan for Moses, and he was going to deal with Moses' attitude. But God, you know, says, I'm not going to deal with you at this moment, Moses, because this community, we need water, and they need water now. It's kind of a big deal. So I'm going to deal with you, Moses. So, so the community and all the livestock had all the water, all the water they needed. But Moses' bad attitude came at a cost to him. And I think it's a pretty, pretty high cost, just like our bad attitude sometimes comes with uh, maybe some what we would even consider minor repercussions once in a while. Mo God would see to it that, that there were like some serious consequences, consequences to, the, to the actions of Moses, of just what Moses did. And in verse 12, he says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. God told Moses, dude, you know what? You didn't believe in me. And all you had to do, Moses, all you had to do, and can you picture God? And all you had to do was simply speak to this rock. He's saying, man, Moses, it was just that simple. It was just that simple. Not because of your sinful and your bad attitude, you're not going to be the one to lead Israelites into the promised land after wandering around and, having, and leading them for 40 years. You're not going to be the guy. Oh, no, no, you're not going to be the guy. I have a plan for someone else now to replace you because of your bad attitude. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, when, isn't this a little extreme? God, weren't you a little extreme in this? Did, did this, all this punishment actually fit the crime? I'm thinking, jeez. After all, it's just one little mistake, right? But see, Moses, God judged Moses harsher and stricter because he was the leader of an entire nation. He was the one God chose. That's why. But if only Moses had listened to God instead of getting frustrated and letting that bad attitude surface, he could have been the one to have brought the Israelites into the promised land. It could have been him. And when our bad attitude surfaces and we jump to angry conclusions, and don't we do that often? 
we get that bad attitude, we don't listen, and all of a sudden we just, we just come off in frustration and we come off in anger and we come off with conclusions that we just made up in our mind. We, what we're doing is we're rejecting. We're rejecting what we hear from God because God's not telling us that. We reject what we have learned from him because God never taught us that. And, and this lousy attitude that we have is certainly not from God. That's something we manufactured ourselves. And our hearts are affected by our attitude. So let's change. Let's change the posture of our heart. Let's slow down and listen to what God is trying to tell us. We go so fast as a nation that we don't sit down and we don't sit back and listen to what God is trying to tell us. And we come off as just angry and frustrated because we're not willing to wait. In Proverbs, it's, it's written in Proverbs that it says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Who's a fool like me? Thank you, Marlon. Marlon and I are fools. Oh, Teresa and Isaac are fools too. Ecclesiastes says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart or utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Ladies. Yeah. That was a joke. That was a joke! Well, doesn't it say that guys have, ladies have like how many more words? Bob. Where is this support? See, God knows God knows exactly who we are. He's not surprised. He knows all of us have a, a lot to learn about following him. He knows that. He knows that some situations, whether it's, it's in a conflict or, or maybe we're just in an uncomfortable circumstance, it's going to catch us by surprise, and it may come down to where we're thinking, are we going to do it his way or are we going to do it our way? And I'm here to tell you right now, don't be like, don't be like Moses and choose your way over God. Look at, look at his consequence. Don't let your pride and don't let your emotion change your attitude. Don't let that happen. Whatever difficult situation that, that's in front of us, whatever, whatever we see, there's a right attitude, and that's the one that God wants us to have. The right attitude uh, does not include being angry. God, it does not include being hasty, and it does not include being disrespectful to anybody, and especially God. I mean, let's, let's, look, let's look what happened to Paul and Silas just after they, they were just released from prison, okay? They just had this little uh, stint in the big house in today's terms. But uh, uh, they get out and they start to continue on their missionary journey because that's what Paul did. And, and while on this journey, they faced this, uh, a group of people that had like really bad attitudes. Okay, they had bad attitudes. And then he would move on to, to another group of people that had a good attitude. We'll pick up in uh, Acts 1 or 17, verse 1. They, this is Paul and Silas, okay? They took the road south through Amphibolus 
and Apollonia to Thessalonica, where there was a community of Jews. Paul went to their meeting place as he usually did when, when he came to a town, and for three Sabbaths running, he preached to them from the scriptures. He opened the text so that they understood what they'd been reading all their lives, that the Messiah absolutely had to be put to death and raised from the dead. There was no other options. And that this Jesus I'm introducing you to is that Messiah. Some of them were won over and joined the ranks with Paul and Silas, among them a great many of God-fearing Greeks and a considerable number of women from the aristocracy. Did I say that right? Huh? There you go. I, I, we, okay. Um, thank you. What she said. But the hardline Jews became furious over the conversions. Mad with jealousy, they rounded up a bunch of brawlers off the streets and soon had an ugly mob terrorizing the city as they hunted down Paul and Silas. They broke into Jason's house thinking that Paul and Silas were there. When they couldn't find them, they collared Jason and his friends instead, and they dragged them before the city fathers, yelling hysterically, these people are out to destroy the world, and now they've shown up on our doorstep attacking everything we hold dear. And Jason is hiding them, these traitors and turncoats who say Jesus is king and Caesar is nothing. The city fathers and the crowd of people were totally alarmed by what they had heard. They made Jason and his friends post heavy bail and let them go while they investigated the charges. That night, under the cover of darkness, their friends got Paul and Silas out of town as fast as they could. They sent them to Berea where they again met with the Jewish community. They were treated a lot better there than in Thessalonica. The Jews received Paul's message with enthusiasm and met him daily examining the scriptures to see if they supported what he said. So Paul and Silas, they come out of prison, they're on the journey, they went to synagogue and, and they preached the gospel. And some listened to him, some didn't. Some didn't care. But this mob of people that opposed them, all they wanted to do is they wanted to just cause trouble. They were just a bunch of troublemakers. And, 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 and then in the cover of darkness, Paul and Silas sneak out to Berea. And the people in Berea, oh, they were so much more wonderful. See, the people in Berea, they had a great attitude. The ones in Thessalonica, not so much. Not so much. The Bereans listened with respect to what Paul was preaching. In Thessalonica, they were just simply disrespectful. See, having the right attitude is so important to God. It is so important to Him, especially when it comes uh, to the gospel. having that right attitude God wants. If our attitude is rotten, we're going to have a hard time learning God's word. Who can read with excitement when our attitude stinks? But if our attitude is positive, we're going to be grateful. We're going to say, thank you, God, 
for what you do in our lives. Thank you, God. We'll have a positive attitude even through those hard times. If we have that positive attitude, making us more like Him, being in the same mindset with Him, as we spoke last week about having the right motives, being in the same mindset and having those same motives. Let's focus on learning the truth about God and receiving it with the right attitude just as the Bereans did. Having that right attitude. Isaiah wrote in 66, 2, he said, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being? Declares who? The Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. For those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Has not his hand made all these things? Don't allow your human nature to rule over you through your flawed attitude. And I'm speaking to myself too. Don't allow yourself to fall into rebellion, to fall into anger, to fall into these quick thoughts. Hear me, people. To fall into those quick thoughts and end up doing the wrong actions just like Moses did. Let's humble ourselves before him. Let's humble ourselves before God and ask Him for a positive attitude. God, give me a positive attitude. God, give me the right attitude. Change my attitude. In 2022, begin this new year. Begin a new you by having that right attitude by humbling ourselves before him and by receiving his instructions. Listen to me, people. By receiving his instructions. Because I, I don't know about anybody in this room or, and I don't know about anybody listening or watching, but I want to have the attitude as Thomas Edison. I want to be the one to say after a devastating blow, after a devastating circumstance, whatever the worst thing is, I want to say thank goodness all our mistakes were burned up and now we can start fresh again. That's what I want to say. And I know, I know sometimes life is hard and I know sometimes we feel like we've been sucker punched in the stomach. I know that. But, but if we change our attitude, we change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, we change our behavior. And when we change our behavior, we change the outcome of every situation we're going to face. And it all starts up here. Let's be like Edison. Let's, let's infect others with our positive attitude. 
Let's be a positive virus. Positive meaning a good positive, not a bad. <laughs> let's be, let's follow, let's be like Edison. Let's, let's lead the way to showing others how to please God. Let's have a great attitude in everything. And that's going to come up at closing prayer.